take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. So I'm really, really excited to, to welcome my next guest. Um, a big event coming up, uh, the Thrive Digital Conference, uh, which is really, really cool. And it, it touches on a lot of themes, um, you know, diversity, uh, race, mental health, wellness that we touch on the podcast. So today, very happy to welcome Chongo Bualia. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, lots of things to get to because you are up to so many fascinating things. I mentioned the Thrive Digital Conference. Um, you're the founder of Anona Wellness, po- or uh, I guess not podcast, but kind of like the form, Anona Wellness. And then you have a podcast as well, uh, as I'm pulling it up, Culture Meets Wellness. So, I mean, lots of jumping off points there. But I think to start, where did you come up with this kind of um, kind of fascination with with wellness and specifically more with um, the differences between cultures and, and everything in it? Yeah, so I think the best way to kind of talk about that is to tell my own personal story. Um, it's funny because I've, <laughs> I've been telling it so much um, to kind of explain to the people who are coming to my conference, the speakers, I'm like, this is why I'm doing this. Right. Um, I think it gives the most background. So I am an immigrant and I'm also a black woman. Uh, my family is from Zambia and I was actually born in Scotland. So there's a whole bunch of like weird stuff going on there. But uh, (laughs) basically my dad got a a scholarship to go and study in the UK. Then I was born in the UK and then we immigrated to Canada when I was five. So, but I consider myself a Zambian woman. And um, honestly, my upbringing was pretty, you know, just regular, like your your regular like immigrant child. Um, And I never really thought much of it. But then when I got into high school and when I was in grade nine, my mom became sick with ALS. So I'm sure a few people are familiar with it based on that ice bucket challenge that uh, gained a lot of popularity a few years back. But basically she ended up passing away when I was in grade 11. So I was 16 years old. And when that happened to me, I was just, well, just throughout the process watching it happen, I just didn't know how to deal with it. And when it, when she actually passed away, I was like, I I don't know what to do. So my response was, I'm just going to put everything I have into working super hard. And at the time I didn't realize it, but that's like a really big, like immigrant mentality I was raised with, right? Like it doesn't like, you know, you talk to a lot of immigrant people and, and people in general, but for me, my, like, this is my lived experience, but you talk to like immigrant parents and they're just like, they've been through like the, the, craziest stuff in their lives but like for them they're just like we need to push we need to work we need to build ourselves build ourselves from the bottom up so after my mom passed away I was like I just need to put everything into working and like you know making her proud kind of thing and um it worked right so in high school I did really well graduated with really good grades university I graduated top of my class uh in the business program so like people would look at me and all my friends they were like wow like this girl is like so strong like she took like her hard story and like turned it around and like that typical success story that we Mm -hmm. all love to see but what a lot of people didn't realize is that underneath all of that I was broken Truly, I had a really hard time with my relationships, with my friends, um, with partners, with with all of that throughout the process. And um, there was a certain point where I was like, I'm not going to be able to keep on going like this if if I don't address what's going on with me. And it kind of... um, 
at some point in university, I discovered the practice of yoga. And, and when I did, that's when a lot of stuff started to, to come out. And as all of this was happening, um, I was probably one of the first ones of my friends who had like a really big shock happen to them. Um, so as we were growing up and as we went into university, I had other friends who also came from immigrant backgrounds or who were people of color, who were black or racialized, um, any of those topics. And they would go through their own things. And I started to notice same thing something really hard would happen to them and then they just put everything into working hard making sure they had that perfect image and at a certain point i was like okay like what what is this like why do we all deal with things like this and i remember one day we all just broke down and we all just admitted we're like we like we don't know how to handle this like we're not mm. feeling good and i guess at the beginning of this year i was like you know what let's talk about this because like this is a very common experience and like at the time i was like is it a common experience? I don't know. And um, I had an idea since last summer that I wanted to create a brand that was kind of focused on. So something that always confused me was I've always been somebody who's really big in the yoga industry, right? Like uh, not big in the yoga industry, but like really into yoga. So I loved practicing yoga. I would go to the studio in Ottawa called Pure Yoga and I would look around and I'm like, why don't I see people who look like me here? And it was really awkward for me. Mm. Um, and I've spoken on this a lot before, but um, super awkward for me. Cause I'm like, where's the, like, you don't feel like you fit in. You don't like, you feel like people are looking at you. But for me, it was just so beneficial that I was like, whatever. So I always thought the issue was like, there's just not diversity in the yoga industry, which is true, which is very true. And I have a lot of thoughts on that. But um, I was like, it can't just be the lack of diversity. There's something else here. And what I started to realize was it, it's just, it's just not something we do taking care of our mental health, like mental health in general, it's just not talked about. So how are you going to go and now go and do wellness activities? So that's why I just started the platform because I felt like everybody was kind of talking about diversity, but I didn't really see anybody talking about cultural barriers to going and practicing yoga or, and doing meditation or, and doing whatever wellness activity. So that's kind of why I started it. And that's how I got to where I am today. That's yeah. a yeah. That's a good. Um, I, I was. I, I'm just having these dialogues in my my life right now too. You know, I, I have a friend who I'm talking to, and and same mentality of um, her her parents are immigrants as well, and instilled like instilled this that workmanship, that hard work. And you're so right that we as a culture we celebrate that and reward that. Like that's what we want. That's what employers are looking for. They're like people who don't talk you know, any shit, like just put their head down and work and, and work really hard. And that's what they all want. So I find that fascinating. And especially in the conversations we're having now um, regarding, you know, everything when it comes to uh, inclusion and equality and anti-racism, you brought up a good point um, that I haven't really heard people bring up before that it's not enough that we're like, we are including, but the, the barriers that you know, racialized communities and different cultures have when it, when it comes to wellness and mental health. That's really interesting to me. What, what types of, like, I guess, what are some of the barriers when it comes to that um, regarding your own experience or maybe perhaps some of your guests on, on your podcast or people you've talked to? Yeah. So this, this is something, it's really interesting because when I started this initiative, I was just like, I don't really, I was like, I just know there's something. So I started getting people on the podcast to just talk about their own lived experiences. And there's actually quite a few barriers. I think one of them is just the idea that, one of them is just the idea that like mental health issues aren't understood, 
right? They're just not understood. They're seen as just something you go through in life. So like a lot of people will kind of see it as like, this is just something I have to go through as part of my life. And when you see it like that, you don't see it as something that you're going to address. And the reason why is because for a lot of us, like I know for me, I have a really hard time complaining about things going on in my life when I look at my parents. I'm like, look at what they went through. That was struggle. I have fr- I have a lot of friends who are Middle Eastern, right? Uh, my best friend is Iraqi and she actually came on the podcast and she told her own, she was telling me the story about her mom and her aunt and how like when they were, when her mom and aunt were in school back in Iraq, like there'd be days where like people would just, a classmate just wouldn't show up and it would be because they died, right? They were killed, right? And it's like, imagine like knowing your parents went through that kind of trauma and then trying to complain about like whatever it is that we're dealing with here. So a lot of us, like we just don't even, we don't even feel like we have the right to, to, to speak up on this stuff because it's like, realistically, what am I going through in comparison to what my parents went through or comparison to what my friend's parents went through? So a really big misconception is that we're like, well, my parents went through it and they're okay and they have this family and like they're living. So like, why, why am I going to now go and like, you know, this little sadness that I'm feeling, why would I go and act on it? So a really big part of it is just this like, this like lack of understanding when we have mental health issues or mental health symptoms because we think it's just part of the everyday thing in life and it's because when our parents had those symptoms like did they really have the outlets to address them probably not right so when they raise us they raise us with the idea that like you know just you just deal with it even though mm-hmm. for us like that might not be the situation so that's like a really big one is this guilt over doing something about it when it's like you know that it's been worse for other people right yeah um, I, that that's i guess so are you like he's from zambia so yeah I, like i'm curious uh and just because i i reference this on the podcast all the time but i'm just i'm from a small white town and i'm just you know a big reason why i have this podcast yeah. is just to learn because i never had the opportunity to learn about all these different things when it comes to like mental health and you know in in you know less than developed countries western society like i know that the obviously the conversation's not necessarily there and it's not necessarily understood but i'm curious to know you know life is a lot harder in a lot of places around the world than it is here in canada is there even time to like focus on it i guess um pay attention to it really acknowledge those feelings are you just like so busy kind of um you know, trying to find work or, or making sure your family's fed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just kind of like a different set of priorities that like, you can't focus on yourself. Is that like, is that something that goes on and it's pretty common? Yeah. So that's a really big thing that we also talk about on my podcast a lot. There's actually, there's so many layers to this, right? Because right. a lot of the time I'll get people who are kind of in my situation where like, we're kind of that, we're those first generation immigrants where like our parents, our parents came here and now we're growing up like kind of like balancing two worlds, right? Like the world that we live at home um, and then the world that we live here being in Western, like Western society. And a lot of times we sit there and we're like, man, like I'm trying to unlearn everything my parents taught me. But then a lot of people are like, but should we really be blaming our parents for this? Because I think, and I try really hard not to put out that narrative on the podcast because it's not their fault right? A lot of the times, especially people who like new to the country, and I mean, there's, there's a whole different discussion to have for people who have been in 
North America for generations, which we can talk about too. But for immigrants specifically, you're new to the country. A lot of the times you come here and like the, the, the experience that you have or the work experience, the school experience, whatever, it might not be recognized. So you really have to build yourself up from the bottom up, right? And mm -hmm. when you're doing that, when you're focused on putting food on the table, when you're focused on learning a new language, le learning all of these different things, your first priority isn't going to be wellness. Right. It's not going to be, you know, or, or mental health or like like focusing on how you're feeling. It's like I've got kids like I've got kids and these kids need to grow up and we need a house and they can't even know that we're going through this. So, yeah, like it definitely does take a back seat and rightfully so, in my opinion. So that's a really big mm. thing. Um, Another another barrier is just the fact that a lot of a lot of other cultures like in, I think in North America, we're very individualistic. So we're mm. so a lot of. So there's a lot of like stigma attached to the idea of like, if you go off and do things to better yourself, is that selfish of you? You know, are you like focusing on yourself instead of focusing on the group? A lot of us are really focused on giving, right? And a lot of that, like, even for me, like I've noticed I have a tendency where I'm like, I want to put other people first. I want to give to them. And that's a cultural, that's a cultural thing that's been, because I've seen my parents do that. I've seen them always put other people above themselves, like put their kids above, above themselves, put their parents above themselves. So when you're always putting other people above yourself, are you really focusing on how you're feeling and on your mental wellness and all of that? So there's like so many layers to this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, let, let's break down some of the, like, because mental health is so complicated and, and yeah you know, it, external, internal factors, all those different things. And um, I, I, it makes me think, I was watching a documentary, it was called um, The Business of Drugs. Ooh. And they were talking about, so it, it's a really cool documentary and it, it yeah. takes you all around the world, like focusing on like different sorts, every episode's based on a different drug. But what I found interesting was um, the op opioids, I think it was the episode of heroin and um, it focused on Kenya because that, Mm -hmm. had the the main port where the Afghanistan, like in Afghanistan where it's like the biggest grow of opioids would take it to Kenya and how everyone in this port city, it wasn't Johannesburg. It was the other one. I, I forget what it's called, but basically even though it was illegal, everyone in this city worked for the drug industry because it was the best way to feed your family. And it was the best way to earn income um, of all the other jobs. And it goes away around that way in a lot of parts of the world. You know, and it puts it put a spotlight that is something you know because I'm so privileged and and removed from all these other parts of the world that again going back to that fact that there's not even an opportunity to focus on mental health because there's just there's so many different things I like the I'm Zimbabwe right now um, everything happening in there or even mm -hmm. in Lebanon um, and Beirut with yeah. the explosion and the corruption right like it's it becomes so complicated because we want to sit here and be like, oh yeah, let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about mental health. But really on the list of priorities, it's like, I need to try to stay alive. Yeah. And th there's no opportunity for me to, to advance a conversation on mental health because our conversation is just trying to stay alive at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Finish your point. Actually. I thought was kind of, I was kind of trailing yeah. off. <laughs> no, but like, that's, that's, a, that's something that I battle with every single day, to be honest. Like, so I have a lot of, so I struggle a lot with my plat with, not with my platform, but just with uh, the initiative, because 
those same points that you're applying, which are very relevant in different mm. countries, also apply here, right? If you, mm. you know, this conversation that we've been having against anti-Black racism and then anti-racism in general, there are plenty of people here in Canada, here in the States, who don't, can't, aren't even afforded the ability to focus on their mental health because of the same thing. They're too focused on being over-policed. They're focused on this pipeline that's kind of been set up that brings them into prison. So like with all of that, do they really, or they're focused on food insecurity. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, like that's going to take the, like that's your, your number one priority. So like, are you able to focus on mental health when, when you have all of these other things that you're focused on, but it's also all, it's almost like a double-edged sword because it's like when you're going through all that stuff, you actually need to be taking care of yourself. So it's like, like this weird, it's this weird, like there's like this, it's really unfortunate. Like something that really frustrates me is that in, in this society, like mental health and wellness, it's something that sh like is only, it can only be done when you're at a point where you're doing well in life. When I'm like, that's, I feel like it's almost more needed when you're not there. Um, but I don't know how, but you know, on top of not having the time, I think it's also just the price of it, the price of yeah. it, right? The wellness industry is so expensive. So like, you can't even, you can't even start to think about stuff like that when it's like, okay, I've got all these other things to think about. So um, I, I, I feel you and what you're saying and that it's just like, I, I always feel a little weird preaching it all the time when I'm like, not everybody, this isn't even accessible to everybody, not even in a financial sense, but just in a social sense. Um, that, that's yeah. a, such a, the, the price of it. Um, you know, the, yeah, you can do meditation on your own. You can do yoga on your own, but to, for so many people to be that self-motivated, it's hard, right? A lot of people enjoy the community. They enjoy the classes, the teachers, the instruction, mm -hmm. you know, the feeling of, being with a, a large group of like-minded people doing the same things. I think about this a lot when it comes to mental health, accessibility. We want to talk about diet. Everyone's like, well, just, you know, eat well. And then you think about mm -hmm. the price of, of proper, like supplementing properly or, you know, eating a, a healthy diet. You know, I go and buy a bag of oranges, carrots, and salad, and it's $20. I'm like, what the, like, but yeah. you go to, you go to McDonald's and it, it's $7 for a Big Mac meal and you're good. Boom. You know, you talk about the gym, the gym is super expensive and a lot of people don't have the ability to work out properly at home. Um, I, th I think we've also, a lot of us has found that out with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, like all these different, uh, I, I remember there's like a good meme where it's just like yoga is just something for rich white women or, or something like that. Um, you know, a meme reality, like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, exactly. Yeah. The problem of accessibility and we I guess I'm guilty of it too like even on this podcast I'm like oh yeah just, like you know we've got to focus on our diet and all these things and like it makes sense and we do but so many people don't have some so many people don't even have internet in this country which is a yeah. big thing that we don't even talk about that a large part of Canada does not have access to reliable internet yeah, it's actually really interesting that you bring that up because um, so I volunteer for an organization and I, I lead the BIPOC team, actually, uh, BIPOC being Black, Indigenous, people of color. Okay. But um, basically, it's called Warrior Yoga. And their whole mission is to kind of reduce the barriers to accessing yoga, um, whether that's financial, social, cultural, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, 
And so what the main, the main thing that we do is provide yoga classes to various organizations and shelters. So I know like, you know, we work with refugee organizations, we work with human trafficking organizations, um, um, plenty of people. But one thing that happened with COVID was, um, a lot of those, a lot of those individuals don't have internet. So, cause at first we were like, oh, we'll do online classes, but what do you do when people don't have internet to access it? So we were able to kind of work out a different solution where we actually write down practices um, mm. and then deliver them to the shelters and organizations. And then people are able to practice that way. But it's really eye-opening because that's something that everybody just takes for granted is like internet access. There's actually so many people who don't have it. Yeah. Um, um, and sorry, there was another point that I, I wanted to make earlier on about, cause you, you had kind of mentioned like, how do people take time for their mental health? Yeah. So I, I think a really big point that I try to drive home is that I think here in North America, we have an idea of what wellness is. Um, and I don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily think that's where it ends. So I think in a lot of cultures, we actually have wellness practices that we've practiced from, from years and years and years and years without calling it wellness thing, mm-hmm. things that are healing. Right. Think about like, even during slavery, like, singing right like that's that's a form of wellness that's a form of expression um if you think about the practice of yoga that's a for like you know what i mean that's a cultural practice um you think about burning sage um which is not done properly by a lot of people who try to do it here but <laughs> uh don't get me started on that one but like like there are so many cultures have had, they have healing practices that they do that maybe don't look like what we think. So I don't like, I don't necessarily, so I, I struggle a little bit too. And this is something I actually had to learn through my own platform. Um, I think when I first started, I thought, I thought wellness was yoga and meditation and therapy and like all of that. But I'm starting to realize like a lot of cultures have their own ways of practicing wellness and healing, um, that are within their means um, that I think is important. But I think, I still do think there is a disconnect and I think the disconnect is that intention. Right. So when I actually did an interview, uh, like I was on a radio show yesterday for, um, it was like a, an urban an urban radio show where they asked me, they're like, what is wellness? And I'm, I'm really big on like, it's the intention. Um, something that you do with the intention to improve your life. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be going to the gym. It doesn't have to be this. It doesn't have to be that. It could be doing your hair, but it's just that idea that you're taking that pause and you're taking that time for yourself. So I, and I actually do think there are a lot of cultures who will do that. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. No, that's a great, we've, we've kind of commercialized wellness in in North America, especially where we just take kind of the, some of the aspects of other cultures and and then we 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 put a price tag on it and then we're like this is what you need and then we sell it we market it you know that's what that's what western society and capitalism does to it right so mm-hmm. we take yoga and it becomes popular and then we we do that or yeah we the buzz term wellness but it's so true i, I when you're talking about that i really i thought of um you know religion in the middle east and how how healing yeah. that is you know and prayer yeah. and you know like that's a big part of wellness for them and you know well um religion kind of gets demonized a little bit here in north america especially more in, in recent years but it's like a big part of healing in eastern in, in eastern parts of the world so that's a, that's a really really good point that you you brought up i'm glad I mean, i'm glad you did uh, talk i want to get into a little bit of the the conference here so mm-hmm. it's about a week and a half away as we record this but it'll be this weekend once it comes out and, and people are listening um 
tell me about some of the speakers. What what is what's what's happening with it? Um, and you know who who's speaking? Who are you excited about? Uh, I'm not picking favorites, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I have, I can't even pick a favorite cause I'm just like so in awe, honestly speaking, um, the conference in general, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about what mm -hmm. it is in a second, but the conference has felt like a very like unreal experience for me because like, I remember I had the idea and I'm like, but who's going to want to come and do this and like speak. Uh, so it's just been really nice to get a lineup of people and get a lineup of amazing people. I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, like I want to like, I'm so excited to hear them. But um, <laughs> basically, so the conference is called the thrive conference and the whole purpose behind it is to highlight the importance of prioritizing our well being, And it's designed specifically for black and other racialized communities. Um, and basically, so here's, this is my philosophy and I use this philosophy on Anona Wellness, the brand and um, Culture Meets Wellness, the podcast. And then I used it for this conference is that I don't think that people like to hear psychotherapists and like wellness professionals preach them about why mental health matters. You know, like I, you know, you can find that everywhere. I think it's and, and not that. And I mean, there are people who do like me. I, I like to hear it, yeah. <laughs> but I think your average person, but I'm also somebody who just cares about it a lot. Right. Like I'm already very aware of its importance. So I think you just attract the people who already care about it. But I think um, for me, the way I try to kind of get the message out there to other people who may not have considered it is to bring people who they can see themselves being, you know, people who they aspire to be in life, your average person. Because I think when you hear your average person talking about wellness, you're like, oh, okay, like, that's how I can like integrate it. Because when you see, a, like, if you see like a yoga, like, like, professional like somebody who's super bendy talking about why you need to do yoga you're gonna be like okay like you can do it because you're this huge professional but like what about me how am i supposed to do that so my biggest goal with the conference was to get leaders from all walks of life whether it's in the law industry whether it's in the arts whether it's in personal fitness whether it's in sports like just people who other or whether it's ceos even right people who are entrepreneurs people who you could see yourself being who you wouldn't necessarily associate with well Wellness, but who have had an experience with wellness and who have used wellness to get to where they are. And once again, wellness is a buzzword, but basically just prioritizing your well-being, taking time for yourself, not working to the point of exhaustion. So I've got a really nice lineup of people who have all achieved success in their own way, or they're still on their journey to achieving more success, who are going to come on and kind of talk about how they got to where they are in their career. Because everybody always wants to hear someone's story. But yeah. then also like, I'm going to ask them questions like, what's your experience been like with your mental health? Like, how do you prioritize it given that you're, you know, there's like a lawyer on there. There's somebody who's a CEO who manages like 150,000 people. I'm like, how do you do all that? Right. So um, I'm really excited for it. But at the same time, I want people to be able to walk away with tools that they can actually put into their own life that are practical. So I've actually um, got these sessions as part of the conference as well, where I'm going to bring different BIPOC practitioners who are actually going to speak to a different form of wellness and how people can like practically integrate it into their lives without paying for like $150 membership. Right. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the conference in a nutshell. Yeah. And I, I agree with you so much. I love to hear like people who are, who are high up in life, quote unquote, successful with whether it's a, a great job or some sort of in, uh, I, I hate using the term influencer or anything, but people with influence over or people mm -hmm. um, and how they balance like their workload and how they balance work-life balance and, and take care of their mental health when it's so busy. Cause I think as young people we're taught and, and you talked about it right off the hop that it's just 
we work and we work hard and you need us to do something to do it and like no matter the cost especially early in our careers just to get noticed and work our way up and impress the right people and it's, I love talk I love like having people on and, and talking about how they balance it all at a high level because you would think that it'd be almost an impossible task yeah and like for me i think um it was an interesting lens to take because i definitely took the the more career focused lens because th there's a bunch of different topics within wellness especially like you know like for people in general for people from bipoc and immigrant communities but um for me like you know uh i like studied accounting and finance worked in the consulting industry for a big four firm and i actually had a really bad burnout last year where i actually had to drop out um, like I was in the middle of all these projects and I had to literally leave. They were like, you need to go. <laughs> and I had to take a whole month and a half off of work. And it was because wow. I worked hard, worked hard, worked hard, didn't know how to, wasn't taking time for myself. It all fell apart. So I think that's where my inspiration for this came from, because I'm like this, this applies to me, but it applies to like basically anybody who likes, because like, that's what our society values, right? That's what these consulting firm, firms value. They like people who work really hard. And I think a very tough reality that a lot of us have to realize is um, people will take as much as you give them. And if you give them everything, they will take everything and more. So how do you like, and that's not sustainable. Right. Uh, sometimes people look at me and they're like, you're this like wellness, like, like whatever, like, ooh, ooh, ha. And I'm just like, no, like, I'm like, I, I actually love like business stuff and I love pushing hard for stuff. But I also know that it's not sustainable to work to the point of exhaustion. And there has to be some other way to get to these great places in life that doesn't involve like <laughs> having to drop out of work and like be gone for a month and a half because not everybody can do that. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. No. And I love that it's all people from racialized communities. So um, I, I've, I've had this conversation a little bit, you know, I have obviously a lot of white friends and, and they're, 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 especially since, you know, the, the George Floyd case where it's mm -hmm. really become a part of our, our regular dialogue, these conversations, you know, a lot of them are posting Instagram stories and, and, and everything. And that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. but I think this is like a really opportunity to take advice of those those uh, Instagram stories they're sharing and to everyone telling everyone to do, it's like, okay, now we, you actually have an opportunity to support, you know, um, you know, BIPOC people who, and their businesses and learn from their knowledge and hear from their lived experience and their voices. And I think that's like, it's just a really great way to take kind of all the talk, especially a lot of us are doing and, and now actually do the walk actually go and put that in, in, in motion and, and start the, the real work, basically. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Because, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still a little, um, I still don't know how I feel about everything that happened. I think it was just very overwhelming <laughs> for like anybody, right? Because, um, and, and I do, I, I actually just posted on my Instagram story yesterday. Uh, so you read, like, I don't remember exactly what it said, but basically it was just getting to the idea that like reading like reading the books is great and like like I'm super happy that everybody got themselves aware but like that that's not where it stopped right like now mm -hmm. that you're aware do you just go back to your life and you're like ah oh, like now I'm aware but it's like no like there's still work to do I still I follow all these people who are still putting in work like to change these structures and it's like you know like we do need to fight for action right like so it, it doesn't just end with like having the conversations and with like um 
with what's it called like uh, reading the books and like watching the documentaries it's like no like we we need to integrate this and we need to take steps to support the people who've been working in this for so long and i think for me that was a really big reason why i decided to throw this conference was um so for me personally, I care about social justice a lot and I have, I have been speaking out throughout this whole process, but that's not my expertise, right? And I'm, I'm really big on the fact that I do think you need to, to know your stuff to be speaking about it. So like, I try to leave the speaking on topics, especially related to ju social justice to the experts. So I was like, I don't wanna do a conference where I'm talking just about that because there's people, I would rather just direct that attention towards the people who are doing it. But I did wanna do something to give back to the community. Cause I'm like, you know what? Like after everything, like I think it did highlight the importance of mental health. Cause I think a lot of people, um, a lot of black folks that I knew were really going through it um, and are still going through it, to be honest. Um, and for me, where my expertise lies, quote unquote, um, is like, you know, just in talking about stuff like this and in providing resources, like getting people together. So that's a big reason why I put on the conference. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's a good point that um, so many people from this community, um, your community and, and others that like, this is all that's happening and has been happening for centuries and generations has all been mental health. It's a mental health conversation as well as other conversations, you know? And I'll never forget the a thing that just really opened my eyes is um, I was at a, a, a mental health kind of workshop networking panel type thing. Mm -hmm. and, and we were talking to managers about, um, you know, how they implement, you know, mental health things and they're trying to make their businesses better and they support their employees and stuff. And, and a black woman stood up and she said, how are you specifically addressing, um, I, I can't, like I'm paraphrasing, but it was like the mental health uh, effects of racism. And I was like, yep. I don't know why, like that never, like, yeah, it, it obviously makes sense, but I just never made that like visceral connection where I was like, oh my God, like that's just a whole other factor of, mental health that you know like i've never had to deal with and is completely traumatizing and you know it was just such a big eye-opener for me and that I, yeah. a lot of people don't talk about that and the I, effects of it and i love that she brought that up because um it's funny well well i mean not funny but when literally the week that george floyd uh, was killed i posted an informational post on my um, instagram page called what is racial trauma because that's something i've been looking into for a few months now and um it was it was just insane to see it actually you know to see how many people didn't know about it. So racial trauma is a really real thing and it doesn't even, it, it, you don't even have to have gone through it yourself for it to impact you. And then intergenerational trauma, right? Like feeling the effects, um, for pe especially for individuals who have, whose ancestors were enslaved, um, feeling the effects of that, right? It, there's actually been studies that have shown that you feel it in your body. Like you, you can feel that mm -hmm. trauma in your body, um, which is really interesting. But basically, I, racial trauma actually isn't even recognized in the DSM. The uh, I don't remember what it stands for, but it's basically the manual that lists out all of the like like mental illnesses and mental health mm. symptoms, right? So it's not even formally recognized in like the in, in that whole world in like the like psychology world or whatever. Um, but it's a very real thing that people experience, and the implications of not that not being recognized are that a lot of the times people will be misdiagnosed. Like somebody could be experiencing um, impacts from racial trauma, but think and but think it's something else and then it's not appropriately addressed. So it's just like such an interesting, 
area that I, I think really came to light in the last few months. And I think people could really, I think it's something that we've always kind of felt like deep inside, right? That, that, that feeling you get when the police drive by or that feeling you get when you're like, am I going to get in trouble from this thing? Like that's, that's a traumatic response and it's a response to racial trauma. So um, it's something I've been looking into a lot. Right. And um, you know, I, I actually love that she asked that question. <laughs> well, Cause yeah. Like I said, like it, that, a lot of people don't know about it. Exactly. And you know, in a room, like it was a predominantly white filled room and for mm-hmm. her to get up and ask that question I think a lot of us were like like it just a lot of us clicked and yeah. as all of us who were like well we care about mental health and we want you know access and, and service accessibility all those things about mental health like this is something we all need to take into consideration yeah when it comes to it and even as you know um, managers leading a team um you know, counselors, uh, HR, human resources, CEOs, whatever, like that's something that when we have, you know, like BIPOC employees that we have to understand and make sure that we institute the proper resources in order to deal with that. Because I, I myself, you know, I would not be well prepared, even as like a a mental health advocate who understands a lot of it, like I would be inadequately prepared to deal with something like that. How do you, I mean, that's a big question, but like, what are like, how do you kind of work through that type of, that type of, you know, mental health challenge? So yeah, this one is really interesting. I had somebody on the podcast um, in the weeks following a, um, George Floyd's uh, George Floyd's uh, murder, um, and she was a psychotherapist. And she, the reason I brought her on is because I saw that she was talking a lot about racial trauma on her page. So I was like, "Hey, would you be down to come on and kind of like let's just have a conversation so that like I can learn, everybody can learn." And it was an episode just designed for Black and other racialized folks, more mm-hmm. specifically Black folks at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her, "I'm like, what do we do?" Because like. it's a tough one because like it's not something that's ending right that that happened then but this is this is going to continue to happen like as much as everybody's aware of it it takes a very long time for this to you know what I mean for us to work through all the years like and all of the systems that have been set up to allow this to happen and um I think what she said was it's it's the under it's it's learning to get the tools to cope when that stuff happens to you or when you see it happen. I don't think it's something you can get rid of. It's something that unfortunately, probably in our lifetime, it's we're going to continue to experience it. I and and this this is why I think I have a really hard time with my initiative because it's really hard. To, <laughs> I find it really hard to get through to people because like people are like, nah, like that doesn't apply to me. Like I, I'm good, and I'm just like, guys, please just listen. I swear, there's some validity in what I'm saying. But <laughs> so I find it every single day. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like no one cares. But I'm like, no, no, no. It's important, and I I, I think it's very important because I I think we the way to address it is to actually build the tools so that you can deal when things like this happen to you right if you don't know how to handle your mental your mental health and if you don't know how to handle challenging times every single time that a big circumstance like this happens it, it's paralyzing you know you're like I, I i don't know how to handle this like i don't i don't know how to move forward but if you kind of know if you learn to understand how you cope with challenging times because um something that i 
some a post that I put out actually, and something that um, I came across is that everybody kind of handles racial trauma and then just trauma in general differently, right? Some people, their response, like there's the fight, the flight, the freeze. There's, mm. you know, some people they're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to be out there in these streets. I'm going to protest. I'm going to like, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to like do this. And like, you'll see a lot of people online, like just saying stuff, but then you have your other group of people who like completely just doesn't talk about it, pretends like nothing's happening. And that's a form of trauma response too. And then mm. there's kind of like the, the, the flight the flight the freeze one which is like you're kind of just stuck and you're just like numb you're like mm-hmm. i don't know what to say i'm upset but i don't know how to voice it so like learning those symptoms in yourself once you can kind of learn them then you go to the next step where you start to like notice your emotions and start to identify those emotions and then as you work through that process you start to learn what to do to deal with those times. So basically, I, I think it's not a process of like, how do we get rid of it, like the symptoms within us, it's how do we cope? And the way to cope is to start to, to work on it now, right? You don't wanna have to come back at the end when it's too late. You'd rather want to kind of work on building the tools as you're going along so that it never gets to that point where it's like, and yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's a big, it's a big topic it's a big and a lot to work through, but. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the biggest things, like, so when that all happened, uh, um, like I had did an episode with my, my friend Asante, who's a, a black man, and, and we talked about it and, you know, talking to my, my black friends and listening to kind of black podcasts, a big, like a very common response that they, they all kind of said when, like the question was asked, like, how are you feeling? It was, I don't know. Yeah. Like the, they almost universally, like everyone was like, I don't know. Like. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm scared, but like, I'm just, I just, I don't know. Like it's, it's just kind of overwhelming. And exactly. It, it is. And, um, another thing that the, the psychotherapist said that was, was so wonderful was like, it, it's okay to just be angry. You know, I feel like a lot of the time, like, and it's okay. Like you don't, I feel like everybody's like, how do we address it right now? But it's like, you can just take time to not know for like weeks, right? Like this is something that it takes a really long time to work through your emotions. And honestly, like working through this type of trauma, it's kind of the way you would work through any trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what she kind of said, right? Like those are the steps you kind of take is like monitoring how your body is responding. But I definitely completely mimic that. Like uh, for me, there was a lot of, I had kind of two, like I was feeling kind of like two ways. Like one part of me was like, I don't know, like this is really upsetting. Um, I don't like that there's so much attention. Like that that Blackout Tuesday, like every time I look back to, I think back to that mm-hmm. day, like I get stressed out because I'm just like, that was so much. Like it was just way too much to like handle. Even though it, like, but a part of you is like, it's nice. Like people are like looking out for us, but then you're also just like, but but first first of all, why, why now? Like it, to me, like it, I really have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm like, mm-hmm. first of all, like, first of all it's been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years so like Mm -hmm. let's not even start there but if we're going to talk about like the modern day movement like to me like when Trayvon Martin was killed like it became a really big topic right like that was the first time like I was pretty young I was in high school when I saw that happen and ever since it's been happening movies have been coming out whatever but I only noticed like really the black community really being vocal about it so now Mm -hmm. I'm just like why like all the I think when was that was so long like 2013 so like why all the way now are we having all this so like for me it was just frustrating because i was like i want to be happy that you guys are paying attention to us but like why Mm -hmm. the hell 
heck, whatever. <laughs> why you did it take swear, that much? Okay. okay, okay, perfect. But like, why did it take this much time? So I think like a lot of people were just confused because we were like, it's nice that we're getting so much attention and they're uplifting our voices and people are like following us and like, they're like buying our products and like doing all this. But then at the same time, you're just like, but like why now so mm -hmm. i think a lot of people were just kind of going through like this back and forth and then it's just overwhelming like people texting you people, i actually had a conversation with somebody yeah. on my podcast where I, she was like i don't want people to text me it's like like a lot of you don't even like aren't even that good friends with me so it's just like maybe like you know maybe don't text if we don't talk that much so it was just very overwhelming i think so i understand yeah and yeah. i you know that that makes a lot of sense and you know, I'm someone who, who, you know, did the, the black square. And I think part of it, it's like, we just, we like, I guess it's uh, as described to me as like the, the white guilt kind of, it's like, we, we want yeah. to, we want to do right. We want to do the right things. And it's like, you know, some people are like, Hey, make sure you check in on your, your black and BIPOC friends. It's like, okay, yeah. so I'll do that. But then yeah. all your white friends do it. Cause they don't want to feel bad and then yeah you're you have like a hundred texts it's like ah and then you're already trying to deal with so much and then you know yeah like hey come on my podcast and talk about it or come on the radio show and talk about like it's just like I totally and I, I went through a lot of that that's why I reached out to like a, a friend to, to and I was like are, are like are you cool with it I'm totally get it if you're not and respect it but yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? The news media then runs with it and wants to talk to everyone from that community. Yeah. And then you're like doing interviews on the streets and like social, like it's just, I can totally see where you're coming from on that. And like as a white person, it's like, I just, I want to do good and I want to help and what am I supposed to do? And then you end up, yeah, just kind of, and then everyone follows, right? Because everyone wants to be a good person or feel good or not be called racist so we're we're all just trying to do something yeah and like and for me like i'm more of like i'm more of the opinion like i wasn't like super upset about the response yeah. i think there were some specific experiences i had where i was like okay like don't do all that um like my partner is actually he's white and um what's it called he posted the black square so i'm like not like even super like like uh but i'm like but i i just think during the time it was just overwhelming mm -hmm. like you know and um but i understand like you can never know what it is and i also do have to say like it is hard because there was so much information online about what to do because a lot of people said reach out so people are like hey, i'm gonna reach yeah. out then other people were like don't reach out to me so it's just like it was just like a hot mess like like it's like all i have to say about that time period but i'm just glad it's kind of like subsided but i'm also just like okay but what now so it's just like this weird reality right now yeah exactly it's like that the the new cycles kind of moved on from it a little bit and but it's like okay we've had all these conversations like you said people have bought the books and they've watched the documentaries and um okay so now what are we actually going to do with all this information like how are we going to actually make the change that's necessary yeah. i mean the big one i think is the the, the election like that's in the in america that's yes. like kind of like the first <sighs> real big step and you know we're we're real close to it um, but, but there's just a good thing that you talked about that, like, we all kind of started paying attention to it now. Um, you know, there was the, the Ahmaud Arbery and then there was, um, Breonna Taylor and then, you know, George Floyd and then, you know, everything that happened after that. But one thing I really, I mean, it's not fascinating. It's like, it's terrible, but I go back to 
the, the 1992 LA riots, or I go back to 2017 or 2016 and um, in Missouri, uh, I always forget the name um, of where the protests were happening. Um, or you go back to even the 1960s in the civil rights movement. And the biggest thing I've taken away by doing like education on myself and trying to understand, like just really understand it is that this has been going on and these conversations have been being had since, you know, the 1800s, like since, you know, slavery was still legal in, in the States, right? Like this is nothing. The conversation has always been had this way. And then I always just add the caveat that, you know, it's social media now, like we're not reliant on gatekeepers to, to relay that information to the rest of us. Now we hear directly from the source. And I think a lot of people are, especially boomers are like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. I don't understand. Like what, what's happening? But really it's, it's like, no, we're, on, we're, we're only hearing about it now because we have an opportunity with social media and, and people have a voice now that they don't rely on other people. And that, that was like a, such a huge takeaway for me in all of this and all these conversations. Like, wow. Like if you look at the 1960s and what's happening now, it's like the same. It's like everything's almost the same. Yeah. And it, see, I, I saw a really, I, I saw like such a great video. I think it was Amanda Seal, Seals. I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce her last name, but um, she's great. She has a podcast. Uh, she has a podcast that's really great. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, she just, she just yells and she just, but, but like she says like good <laughs> stuff when she's yelling. I don't know. It's great. But she did a video where she's like, we're learning too. And I was like, yes, like, 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 that's like another really big thing is like, there's so much stuff that I just didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think for me, I've been doing a lot of like learning on Canada <laughs> um there's this mm-hmm. podcast yeah there's this podcast called the secret is it the secret history of canada yeah uh, i think it's something like that yeah i love it i listen to it every single day and they just talk about like they, they just talk about canada's secret history and it's just amazing um i'm actually listening to one on blackface right now because um, mm. i listened there's one there's one um that was done by the new york times uh it was like a five episode Podcast. Oh yeah, sixteen fourteen or something. Yeah, yeah, sixteen nineteen, yeah. I think. And um, they talked about blackface on that, but it's interesting because the Canadian one, they talk about how blackface came to Canada. So you kind of hear, you kind of hear the American experience, then you hear the Canadian experience. And I'm just, I'm just learning so much stuff, and um, it's just interesting because, like, you know, this has all happened before, but I always, I almost feel as though, and I, I don't even think it's a feeling. I think it's the truth. I think. I never had the opportunity to learn about it, right? Um, a part of me felt so much guilt in the last like five, six months because I'm like, how did I not know any of this? But I'm like, but wait, I'm like, like, what am I? I'm 25, or, oh, 24, turning 25 right now. When was I going to learn it, right? Like now is the time when I'm like kind of thinking for myself. But in school, like, what did I learn about his- slavery? And yeah. it's funny because on the podcast, they actually went on the street and asked a bunch of people. They're like, what, you know, what do you know about slavery in Canada? And they're like, oh, the, the railroad, like, whatever um and and that's it and i'm just learning so much stuff that i'm like this why was this not taught to me in school why was i not taught about like all even just indigenous history right like i've been learning a lot about that too so um to me it's just it's just fascinating because i do think with social media it's just 
you know, the power is kind of in the people's hands now. So that's why we're able to kind of be exposed to all of this. And that's why we can't, because now that podcast, the CBC one, they're actually working with a lot of schools and educators and creating lesson plans and like teaching it to students, which I think is amazing. But it's like, but it's almost like they can't do anything about it now because the information's there. People could talk about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was so easy to kind of like just erase it, you know, like not talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, even, you know, with us, like, in school, like, we didn't, like, we had computer lab, but the computers were, like, you, you didn't really have internet. We just played Mass Circus. No. Like, it was, it was and nothing, you're a right? kid. Like, yeah. you're a kid. I'm not thinking, like, oh, let me go learn about, like, slavery of my, of my people. Like, I'm not thinking about that. Right. Right? <laughs> so, it's, like, not, unless you're, like, somebody who, like, let's say in universe, like, growing up, like, you had, like, a really big passion for it. For me, it's, like, this is information I want to know, but is it necessarily, like, like, am I studying it in school? Like, do I want to go and like major in it? Probably like, like, no, I have other interests too. So it's just like, if you're a kid, you're not thinking like, was I taught the right history? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it's so true. And I think that's why I always reference that small town thing. I think I use it a bit as like a, a defense, like, like I, I'm so naive to everything, but like, it's true. Like nothing of that we had like a week on indigenous history and all we learned was like some of the tribes around canada nothing on on uh you know the residential schools um nothing on chinese immigrants like dying by the thousands like building the Rideau canal or the railroads or the different towns like right like not even a a peep and then you know i didn't even learn about um the residential schools until my family um we've we've adopted um inuit children and mm-hmm. um you know you start going to like the, those communities and you talk to elders who like lived it and you're like jesus yeah. like, and and how recent it was right that i think the part yeah. that yeah like that's the part that gets me every single time is like that you know you you hear these stories and you're like oh that happened like i don't know like 1500 no it's like this not even a hundred years ago or like not you know like a little over a hundred years ago or no no not even a hundred years ago like not even 25 years ago so yeah well the biggest one is uh like someone put it as like slavery in the states was like three people ago that's like that that's how they instead of saying 150 some years ago or whatever it's it was three people ago right like your great great grandparents like probably experienced it. It's like, whoa, okay. Like when you narrow it down like that, you can visualize it. Okay. Like, yeah, this isn't some, and then not, not to mention like, you know, Jim Crow and, and all the other different things. Um, yeah. But before I let you go, I, I'm curious, what are, you know, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned from interviewing people on your podcast when it, when it comes to whatever it is, different cultures, um, access to wellness. Like, are are there things that stand out to you where you're just like, I can't believe I didn't know this and I've learned this now and and this like blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's very interesting. I think the biggest takeaway I've had is that wellness doesn't have to be yoga and meditation. Uh, Mm. (laughs) like that was a really big one to me and that, that healing can come in so many different forms and that we don't have to subscribe to these like Western ideas of what it is. And that it's really just taking time out for yourself. Um, another takeaway that I've, I've had a lot of takeaways around cultural appropriation and the fact that that's Mm. actually a really big reason why people don't practice a lot of wellness activities here. Um, it's a, it's a huge reason. Like I have a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of friends from the South Asian community and that's like a really big, like, just like, I don't even, I don't even want to go and like practice in a studio where I know like, 
my culture is being ridiculed kind of thing oh, you know oh. yeah yeah we didn't even get into that oh my god yeah. but um that was a super big one for me because you know like a, a big part of me always thinks i'm like okay because i'm a yoga teacher too right like i can teach yoga and um i always wonder i'm like how come i don't like wh why are the studios all white like what's going on with that um maybe not all white like 95 percent. but like you know i'm like what's going on with that and you know, when I spoke to people, like that was a really common answer. And it's, you know, even some of my, um, I even have a friend from the indigenous who's indigenous. And um, she was basically saying that like, when you go into a yoga class and you see someone burning sage, you know, it's just like, ugh, like I don't want to come in here again because it's just like a weird experience. So that was another one. Um, and then I think for me, like the, the most, like the, the biggest takeaway I've had is just like, you have these ideas and you're like, could this be it? And I think it's just been interesting to have that confirmed. Like every single guest I've had without fail has spoken to the same issue. And I, like, so for me, I'm just like, wow, like it's just, to me, it's, it's so interesting that so many people have had such a similar lived experience, but come from so many different walks of life. I talked to people, I've talked to people in the, like from Toronto, from Ottawa, who are in the States. And I'm like, such similar walks of life but lived completely different lives. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's been like a very eye-opening experience all across the board and I'm probably forgetting things, but yeah. Yeah. No, that, well, that's, I know. I mean, that's the biggest thing I love with my podcast and mm -hmm. very similar to yours were the interview conversation style. It's all the things you, you learn from people, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, whether it's similarity or differences and, and you yeah. just hear from a perspective that's not social media. I'm such a believer in that, that like you, you mm -hmm. actually like, talk to people and like have those face-to-face -face conversations mm -hmm. where you see the humanity where you see where you can have empathy where you you know it's not like boxed into 140 characters and you're just like you know yeah. dismiss it or fight it or whatever I think it's so important and critical that you not only have the conversations yourself but you listen to the conversations in a in a more you know just it's more digestible for me it's and you can just you pick out all the the different things from it and it's, it's great. I think it's great what you're doing. And um, yeah, no, I really thank you. Uh, so th when this comes out, it's going to be this weekend, August 15th and 16th. Yes. Um, where can people get tickets, find more information on, on Thrive? Okay. So I would say the best, so the, the actual conference website is the Thrive Conf, so N-C-O-N-F.com, <laughs> um, like, so the thriveconf.com, um, but for, like, just to keep up with, like, updates and everything, uh, following our Instagram page, that's where, like, all the information is, okay. and it's Anona Wellness. Perfect. And do people follow you on social media? Do you got a... Yeah, people can follow me too. <laughs> <laughs> so so my, so my to follow me, to keep up to date with what I'm up to, it's Chongo Bualia. So my first name is my last name. Perfect. Uh, we'll make sure we include all that. Um, best of luck with the conference. I hope it, it goes off without a hitch and you sell a bunch of tickets and everything really Absolutely. works out. And then I, I really look forward to you know, all the other things you're going to get up to and following along with it because uh, it's super interesting and you definitely gained a fan. So uh, I well, look thank, forward to it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was super great joining you and uh, we had some good conversation. Absolutely. Okay. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit